1: It's, it's evident here that uh, Jacob is now serious about his relationship with God because he commits himself to tithing. Here also is a, a, a recognition uh, of the awareness of the source of his provisions of everything you give me. Everything comes from God. Everything that's good comes from God. What a lesson to learn, and we'll do so today here
0: on Study Verse by Verse with our teacher and pastor, Leighton Sheely, from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno and online at highlands.us. Thank you for joining us. We are back in the book of Genesis, chapter 28 today, looking at the life of Jacob. Won't you join us as we are encouraged from God's Word? Once again, here's Pastor Layton now as we continue Genesis 28 on study verse by verse.
1: He talks about the gate of heaven. This is the first time where he's seen this ladder and he's still kind of f- figuring things out. And so he figures that this place must be the gate of heaven. This is the entrance to heaven. And so his next act was to worship the God who had appeared to him. And so he takes his pillow that rock and turns it into a pillar to memorialize this place and this event and the pouring of the oil on the stone was to consecrate that stone or set that stone apart as something distinct as a stone set apart for god he didn't use the stone as a an altar or a place of sacrifice he simply set it up as a memorial And uh, in the days of the patriarchs and Moses, this was a common practice. Uh, These would be set up to remember an an event where God performed a miracle or where God revealed himself, or it might establish a boundary where there was a a treaty that was uh, was come to, or it might be the monument of a loved one who had passed away. Later on, this practice became uh, unbiblical. And the reason for that appears to be that eventually people started looking at these not as symbols and reminders and rather turned them into idols. And of course, idolatry is something none of us should be involved in. Verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, Genesis is filled with first mentions, and this is the first mention of a vow. This is the first vow that is recorded in the Bible. And a vow is a solemn promise to provide God some service in exchange for some gift that He is granting. And so, like many first mentions in the Scripture, it, it behooves us to look at it in greater detail. Like, for instance, ask questions. Was this a, was this a good vow, or was this a, a bad vow, a vow? Was it a wise vow, or was it a foolish vow? And what about vows in general? Are they good? Uh, are they things that we're supposed to do? Or uh, are they instead, uh, do they arise from the sinful nature of men and women who think they're in some kind of a position where they can negotiate with God? These are questions that we ask when we come across first mentions. And in the Old Testament, there is apparently some good vows, like, for instance, Hannah's promise to give her firstborn, Samuel, to God if he would grant her children. There are instructions we find about giving vows, uh, like, for instance, the Nazarite vows. And the instructions makes makes it very clear we need to be very careful about the vows that we make and that we're very careful to fulfill those vows. Uh, Since a vow is a solemn promise to do something uh, or, or something, then it has a great dependency upon our ability to fulfill what we promised. And oftentimes we think we can accomplish things we cannot accomplish. And so we who live in a time of grace should be very careful about making any vows. Because if we do make a vow, we are responsible for fulfilling that vow. But remember that Jacob did not live in our era. He didn't have the word of God that we have to provide instruction. In fact, he didn't even have the Old Testament. It hadn't been written yet. It wouldn't be written for another 400 years Uh, Later by Moses, so he he had a a, a different paradigm in which he was working than we do. And so some of the commentators, the the Bible scholars, they differ greatly over the was this a good thing or was it not a good thing that he did? Uh, Some of the scholars indicate that since this was his conversion experience, this was the beginning of his personal relationship with God that it was appropriate for him to make this vow as a response to God's promise. And, you know, when you think about it, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are, in effect, making a vow. We are vowing that he is our Lord and he is our Savior and we are his. But because this vow contains some if-then kind of statements, if you do this, I'll do this... There are other Bible scholars who look at it and say, no, this was just a, <laughs> Jacob's way to try to manipulate God. And so they, they have various perspectives on it. But regardless, Jacob's response shows that Jacob knew what God has in, as a purpose for revealing himself to men and women. And that, and that is that when he does this, a life must be altered and, uh, and changed in a, to be acceptable to him. Now, Jacob's condition for the vow included that God was with him, as promised. God had already promised it through this long and difficult journey and providing food and clothes and returning to his home in peace. And then he would dedicate himself to God and the stone would become a place of worship and Jacob would give a tithe or a tenth of all that God gave him. Now, have you noticed how all up until that last part of his vow, he speaks of God in a third person. He speaks of he and him and so forth. But then when he gets to this matter of the tithe, he addresses God directly as you. Of everything you give to me, a tenth I will give to you. There is nothing more personal than our tithe. It is personal it's it's evident here that uh, Jacob is now serious about his relationship with God because he commits himself to tithing. Here also is a, a, a recognition uh, of the awareness of the source of his provisions, of everything you give me. Everything comes from God. Everything that's good comes from God. Now, there are some people today who mistakenly believe that Tithing was instituted under Moses and the law. And since believers are not under the law, but rather under grace, then tithing doesn't apply. But what we have learned is that the tithe predated Moses by 400 years. Moses codified or uh, uh, clarified tithing, but actually it was 400 years earlier with Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 that Abraham, who is the father of faith, and the father of the faithful, that's us, instituted a tithe, initiated a tithe. And so we now know that the tithe was not instituted under the law, just clarify. But then there brings up a question, well, you know, is, does the New Testament say anything about a tithe? And the answer is, yes, it does. In fact, not... not Jesus himself talks about the tithe in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe. There's the word you tithe, mint and dill and cumin, small stuff, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And so that we all understand what the weightier matters of the law are. He tells us what they are. They are justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. What does he say say about the tithe? These you ought to have done. These you ought to have done. Jesus never disavowed tithing. Jesus here was condemning the scribes and Pharisees, not because they were tithing, but rather because they were neglecting the weightier matters of the law. And we know that Jacob did not have an easy life in the years that followed. We're going to read in the chapters to come. We know that God forgave his sins and was with him, but he also suffered the consequences of his sins. He had deceived uh, uh, Isaac. And in return, his father-in-law Laban deceives him. And the story is quite, quite a story. We know that um, Jacob used a kid... To deceive his father and years later Jacob's sons used a kid to deceive their father when they told him the lie that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal but the thing that kept him going all through the difficult time was this promise of God to never leave him nor forsake him to always be with him he depended on this so God in his grace forgives us but in his Righteousness oftentimes sees to it that we reap what we sow. Being a believer doesn't exempt us from the laws of God's righteousness and impartial dealings. And sometimes even those who are his of his household receive a greater discipline. As for Rebecca, you know, the cost of sin is always greater than it first appears. Uh, the thing that she feared most came about. She feared that she would lose both her sons, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Jacob moved a far-off place and was gone 20 years, and there's no record that she ever had the chance to see him again. And we, as we continue reading, we find it wasn't very long hereafter that Esau, the other son, went to live in the hill country of the Seir, or Edom. As with regards to Jacob, we know that God had promised to be with him and continued to be with him. And there were places he went that he ought not go. And the same is true with us as well. That God has promised to be with us and is watching over us. Both when we're inside of his will and when we're outside of his will as well. And it's God's grace like that that should turn us away from sin and help keep us on the right path. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what kind of
0: missteps we have along the way, what a merciful God we serve. You have been listening to Pastor Leighton Sheely here on Church of the Highlands radio program known as Study Verse by Verse. As we close out our time together today, we would invite you to stop by our website, get a glance at who we are, what we believe, and what the ministry of Church of the Highlands is all about, along with Study Verse by Verse and our Pastor Leighton Sheely. That website is highlands.us. Pretty simple, highlands.us. A lot of information and a lot of direction. Tomorrow, we move to Genesis 29. Join us then for Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheeley.